Gilman, good morning. How are we doing today? Thank you for uh, braving the rain to come here today. You guys are my heroes. I do need to start with asking for your prayers uh, today. Uh, this week, on Tuesday, we have a group from Skillman heading to uh, Kenya, to Zimbabwe, to participate in a mission trip. And uh, one of the participants, uh, Miss Mary, who works in the nursery, she ordered her passport back in April and it had to be printed off in Kenya. And uh, it has not been sent from Kenya uh, to the United States uh, yet. And her sister's there in Kenya. She's going to go to the embassy 8 o'clock in the morning on Monday. She's going to pick up the passport. She's going to put it in FedEx and mail it, hopefully in time for her to catch her flight Tuesday at 10 o'clock. It's like, a, it's like a, an episode of Amazing Race. You know? it's, uh, but uh, just pray for that situation. Pray for that team that's about to go uh, do some amazing things. It'll be a miracle if that passport arrives. But also pray that if it doesn't, that the preparations and plans can be made. To, uh, for them to, uh, to find another way there. But today uh, we're going to continue our, our sermon series on, uh, it's called Family Matters. Kind of taken out of the, uh, the TV show Family Matters, talking about what does it mean, what does it look like to be a part of this church family. This isn't talking specifically about families, you know, parents and children, but if, if you are here today, if you are single, if you are a grandparent, if you are married without children, we are all a part of this family of God. And we're kind of talking about characteristics of this family and how we as a Skillman family can grow together in this way. So the topic today uh, that I'm going to be talking about is this idea of community. That we, as the family of God, that we represent this tight-knit community, this this collective of people that are walking together on this path called life. And if you look in Scripture, from the very beginning of this thing called Christianity, from the very start of this movement, of this way of life, Christianity, it was intended to be practiced in community. That was the intention for us to do this together, to practice in community. You know, we know there are seasons in the Christian walk where we do spend time alone in solitude, in silence, in meditation. But always what is meant to happen is we gather together as a community to celebrate the risen Christ and really offer support to each other as we live this life. I mean, in Acts chapter 2, we see at the very, very beginning, after Pentecost and after Paul gets up with his famous speech, it says in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And those of us who have been a part of the Christian faith, we've seen amazing things happen within this community, haven't we? We've experienced it when we've lost someone close to us, us, the death of a loved one. 
We've experienced the power of that community that surrounds us during those tough times. Many of, of you, not me, who, who've had a baby, <laughs> uh, when you're recovering, we've experienced times when the church gathers together and organizes the troops and sends food to get to, to have in your house so that you don't have to prepare. There are times of loneliness where we've experienced the community of faith gathering together to be that support. Couples in crisis. When marriages have been rough, I've heard stories and, and time and time, I'm sure you've seen of churches gathering together to, to stand in solidarity with these couples as they work through the hard times of being married. There are beautiful, beautiful stories of this community, of this working out in the Christian faith. But also, if, if you have been a part of church, if you have walked life with a community of faith, you've also seen the other side of the story. You've seen that, that church can be difficult. It can be a, a, a frustrating and, and painful thing. And sometimes the things that you see within this community can really be unchristian, not like Christ would like. There's a truth I want to say. Here's a truth. is that sometimes that living in community is hard. Would you agree with this truth? It's true. Living in community can be hard, whether it's in your own, under your own roof, in your family, or in a wider community like this. Living in community can be hard. There's this comic strip that I recently heard about uh, from Peanuts with Lucy and Charlie Brown. And it's a, a, a particular comic where they're walking out of church and they see the marquee. And on the marquee it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And Lucy looks over to Charlie Brown and says, Man, loving my neighbor, I got no problems with that. It's the guy that lives next to me. Now, I have serious issues with him. <laughs> it's like whenever you bring community together, there are hardships. There, are, there is pain. There's frustration. One psychologist that I read says that groups can be moral cesspools. And if you pick up any psychological text, textbook, you can see the dangers of groups. Dr. Vicki Martin, she's a psychologist back here, she can tell you that sometimes groups can be a very painful thing. I mean, you have favoritism within groups. You have the out-of-group, people being left out, cliques, stereo, stereotypes. There's this idea of groupthink. Where mental modes are not challenged. You have group conformity, peer pressure, social loafing, the bystander effect, free riders, racism, the, the Abilene paradox. These are all things that psychologists, that counselors, that teachers will tell you that sometimes groups, groups that can be such a beautiful thing. Groups can be the source of pain, of marginalization, of, ostrac of ostracization. Uh, it can be a, a place where pain and frustration are there. There is sometimes pain in community. Living in community is a hard thing. But here's the deal. We as Christians are meant to live in community. I mean, we read the, the chapter in Acts, Acts chapter 2. In Hebrews 10, it talks about how we are called to gather together. It says, do not give up meeting together. 
as some of you have the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I went through this theological shift in college about this idea of meeting together and community. So I think when I was when I was younger, I thought that this thing called church, this community, the fact that we are called as Christians to meet together and to gather together on a weekly basis. I thought that we were doing this because God needed it. That we were doing God a favor by gathering together and that he, the creator of the world, needed to be praised, needed songs to be sung in his favor, needed the group to to gather together and pray to him. But But as I started to think about this and started reading scripture, it just dawned on me. God doesn't need this. God doesn't, God is, God doesn't need anything. God is God. God, do you, do we really think that us coming here is going to either make or break God's day? That if we skip church, if we're not here, that God's going to have his feelings hurt? I mean, do we really think that the creator of the world, the, the one who made the mountains and the seas, the ones who says that even if no one will cry out, the rocks will cry out. Do we really believe that God needs us to be here? God doesn't need anything. I mean, if you have any questions about this, read Job 38. And you will realize that God doesn't need this. God calls us to come together as a community. God calls us to gather together on a weekly basis. Not because He needs it, but because we need it. We need this weekly reminder that there is a God and that we are not it. We need a weekly reminder of to pray. We need a time in a, in a weekly gathering where we gather together and we sing and we pray. And we need the person sitting to your left and to your right to help us as we walk through this thing called life. God calls us to community. Not because he needs this, but because we do. But, you know, this thing, community, it's it is a a hard, a hard thing. And community demands for us to transform, to grow, to be Christ like. So the second truth today is that living in community is a spiritual practice. This is part of our growth as, as Christians living in community. The psychologist from Abilene Christian University, uh, Richard Beck, he has this amazing quote. He says, I like to think of church as practice, like a scrimmage. It's not really, it it is in many ways the actual game. A, A place where I can try out the actions of charity, hospitality, simplicity, justice, and reconciliation. These practices just don't spring up out of nowhere. They need to be acquired over time, the way habits are broken and formed. Thus, in community, we try out new modes of living. As we acquire this new life, we slowly, as a group, become a city set on a hill. This quote reminded me of something that my wife wrote, my wife Tara, who's right there. Uh, She oftentimes writes in journals, and she wrote this quote about family and the importance of family along the same lines 
of, of Richard Beck, she says that family is a small tribe within a larger tribe, which is all humanity. It is a microcosm, a training ground that is ideally safe and full of grace that teaches us how to be human and how to act and treat others and all of creation within the larger tribe, drawing us closer to the unconditional love that exists within us all. See, in the nuclear family, as as Tara was saying, and with our kids, we are giving our kids the opportunity to practice what it means to be human. And this is, in a lot of ways, this church is the chance for us to practice what we preach, to practice forgiveness, to practice grace, to to practice kindness and hospitality. In my family, we have four kids. We have a 12-year-old, we have a 10-year-old, we have an 8-year-old, and we have a 6-year-old. We did not intend to have them two years apart. That just happened. But uh, in our house, we have a second store, which is one big room, a second story, one big room. And we have all the kids up there sleeping in the same room. It's all four. I I call it the orphanage, you know, the the dormitory. Uh, But we have, you know, four twin beds that are back, you know, side by side. But man, this is really like a social experiment. And um, like my kids are going to turn out great because of this or they're going to need therapy. It's one or the other. I'm not quite sure what will happen. But every day because they live together and they go to sleep in the same room and they wake up and that's where their closet is. They have an opportunity to practice what it means to be human on a daily basis because there's always someone there to annoy them. Whether it's at night and my oldest son, Kellen, wants to read, so he sneaks his flashlight out, and then his brother who's sleeping next to him wants to go to sleep, and so they ended up in this big fight over whether Kellen can read. This morning, for example, I was up early to kind of review my notes, and I could hear some rustling, because my youngest son, Matt, who's six years old, he woke up early and decided he wanted to play with blocks. So he got the blocks and started building these blocks, and it all came down. And next thing you know, his older siblings are yelling at him because they, he woke them up on a Sunday morning. See, these are all opportunities for them to learn to be human. How do you live in community? And my kids are getting this lesson every single day. We, as we gather together, we have the opportunity practice what it means to be human this is our tribe we are just a small tribe in the midst of a larger tribe the human race jesus has taught us a way to live a way that brings life this is where we practice this is where we practice what we teach forgiveness kindness love graciousness hospitality this my friends is a spiritual practice. It takes time. It, it takes effort. It takes growth. And this is why we meet on a continual basis. This is why we need each other. In the book of Ephesians, the third chapter, the Apostle Paul, he writes to the Ephesian church. And of all the churches in the New Testament, I would imagine that Ephesians, if Paul did have favorites, this might be one of his favorite churches. Because he spent three years living with these people. And in the book of Ephesians, the third chapter, he pauses from this letter and he decides to pray over this Ephesian church, this this church in Ephesus. 
this church there. He begins to pray over them. And this morning to close, I'd like to just read this, this passage in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. And in this, he, preside, he presents a prayer for this church. And this same prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, this could be our prayer too. So let's, let's read this prayer. And if you want to take notes about ways that you can pray for this church as well based on this, uh, you're invited to do so. But this will be, the, I guess, the, the inspiration behind uh, what we hope and what we pray for this church. For example, in, in the verse 14 of chapter 3, he says, For this reason... I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. And if, if you know Greek, you would know that there is a word play here between the word father and the word family. Because family is the Greek word patria, which really technically is a, a father lineage, a lineage from the father. Which I think is a very key word because the prayer that we can pray for this church is that may we find unity in our identity as sons and daughters of the Father. May we find unity in our identity as sons and daughters of the Father. You know, this is so, so key. Because it, it really tells us where do we find our identity. Look, let's just look around you at the diversity that's here. It just reminds me of what happens at Thanksgiving. Have you ever just paused at Thanksgiving and looked at your family? Just a bunch of weirdos they are. I mean, all the people that are there. I mean, you have Uncle Joe, who is like a, you know, a, a diehard Democrat. You have Aunt Lucy, who is a diehard Republican. You have, you know, Cousin Jack, who for some reason is a Patriots fan. Like, what in the world? He's from, he's from Oklahoma. How can you be a Patriots friend from Oklahoma? And you have all these people gathered together at Thanksgiving. It's a mosh pit. It is so weird, this group that is gathered together. But why are they together? They have the same last name. They have the same family lineage. It is blood that connects them. There is differences among them, but they are connected because of their lineage, because of, of who their father or grandfather was. In the same way, there is so much difference in here. Political affiliation, sports teams, opinions about this and that. But you know how we are gathered together? Because all of us have been adopted into the family of Christ. We have the same father. We have the same father. And this is our unity. So often in, in Christian history, we have tried to unify ourselves on a set of beliefs. That if you believe this certain thing, then we can associate with you. Because, you know, if you have believed this particular interpretation of this scripture, then you're in. But we have learned that that's not the true way to unify. This in verse, version, uh, chapter 3 of Ephesians, we learn that the, the true source of unity is our allegiance to the Father. Christ is our unifier. Verse 16, he goes on. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What's the prayer here? The prayer is this. Through the power of the spirit of God, 
May Christ dwell in our hearts and may we become more Christ-like together. I think we have a slide there, Josh, for them to read. Through the power of the Spirit of God, may Christ dwell in our hearts and may we become more Christ-like together. Let that be our prayer for this church as well. There's a story about a donkey. That the, the donkey that Jesus rode, you know, in the, uh, pro, the entry of Palm Sunday, when Christ rides into town and the donkey, and there's the palms, and there's the, the people laying down their, their cloaks. Well, uh, you know, there's, there's a story that wasn't found in, in the Bible, but some early manuscripts have detected the story about the donkey the day after. You see, the donkey the day after, he woke up after that day, and it, this donkey was just so proud of what had happened. And uh, so, you know, he, he wakes up and says, was that a dream yesterday? That all those people, they, they laid on those palm leaves, for, you know, and those cloaks? He says, you know, I, I can't wait to go out in public again. And so this donkey gets up and he goes out into the neighborhood and he's walking so proud. And he notices that no one is putting the palm leaves down anymore. And he says, hey, hey, what's the, what's the deal here? You know, uh, you know who I am, right? I'm the donkey from yesterday. And uh, where are the, the palm leaves? And uh, the crowd just looked at him and didn't even pay attention and moved on. He goes to a different part and, it, and he, he's like, well, what about the cloaks? You know, yesterday you laid down those for me. I, do you know who I am? You know, I'm, I'm the donkey from yesterday. Do I not get the same treatment today? And no one did. They just ignored this donkey. And so finally this donkey is so frustrated. He goes back to his house and he talks to his mom. And his mom listens to his story. And the, uh, the mom says to him, Hey, you're not a very smart donkey. <laughs> you see, without Christ, you are just a regular, ordinary donkey. Without Christ, you're just a donkey. What made you special was that Christ was with you. And that's what we have. Our, we are the church of Christ. We are a community of faith that is connected because Christ is indwelling within us. Are we different because Christ is with us? Or are we just a regular, ordinary group? Our prayer should be this, that the power of Christ indwells within us. Because without Christ... We are just a regular, ordinary group of people, but we are a church that is connected by Christ. One more verse in verse 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. That's a beautiful writing by Paul, by the way. I love that. And to know that his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And here's the prayer that's based on this text. May we as a church, may we know Christ's love or know that we cannot fully know so that we might comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of his love. That is our prayer for this community as well, that we can know the love of Christ. And it's so funny because Paul says, I pray that you know it, but I pray that you know that you can't fully know. You can't fully know the depth and the riches of God's love, but just know that you can't fully know. Love, God's love is amazing. And may we as a community, may we be on a journey where we are in pursuit to understand this love.
the, flat, the last prayer based on this as well is, is based on this word power. Because in this particular text, in these six verses that we've read today, the word power is used three times. And the prayer that I think that we could extract from this text is that may we as a community have power to change the world. May we as a community have power to change the world. This is not a power that's based on empire or conquering. This isn't the kind of power that we're talking about that's associated with, with being in control or being the one who makes the decisions. This is the kind of power that begins small in the small grassroots movements. It begins here. It begins in our small community. And little by little, this small mustard seed can extend into a larger community. Did any of you see here of this wedding that happened yesterday? Anybody watch it? Uh, the, the royal... Can you watch the royal wedding? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's amazing. You're at 5 o'clock. Amazing. Did anybody hear the, what the... Uh, the American reverend spoke at that. Uh, he read that quote from Martin Luther King Jr. about the power of love. He said, we must discover the power of love, the redemptive power of love. And when we discover that, we will be able to make this old world a new world. Love is the only way. My brothers and sisters, we are a community of faith. May the power of love allow us to be lights of this world and salt of the earth. May we be the advocates for the marginalized. May we be the people who feed the hungry. May we be the advocates and the ambassadors for a more peaceful, kind, and loving world. May we start in our families, in our workplaces, and may we communicate this power and the love of God. We are going to stand and sing a song, a song that speaks of this incredible love. And if in this song, if you feel moved to pray about something, you are invited here. Uh, You're invited to pray to the person next to you to, to really take advantage of this community that we have because we are together on this, this walk of life together. Before we sing this song, before we pray together, before you're invited to come, if you have anything that you'd like to pray about, I do have just one question. You know, the last prayer was that may the power of this group the power of love, redeeming love, may it change the world. And the question that I have for you is, do you doubt that this is possible? Is it possible? Is it possible for us as Christians in a small way to make this world a better place, a more kinder, gentler, compassionate place? Is it possible to let the power of love seep not only in our community but the communities that, that are in our, in our group? Well, I'll let the scripture answer this question. The last verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, 
To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Why don't you stand and sing?